The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Midweek edition is here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presenting by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Hope you're doing all right. Uh, we will hear from the whip. Mark Whipple. Has his tone changed? <laughs> or is it a, another week of this moment in Whipple? Uh, you be the judge of that. Uh, coming up, we will spend time with Mike Babcock in about 20 minutes. Babbers will talk Nebraska, Michigan, and uh, all sorts of good things. Uh, Mike Shuhart from Wilderness Ridge. It is golf weather today, baby. I know it's a bit windy. That could help some of us off the tee box. The winds at our back. So, Shuey on the way. Dr. Rob Zadiska, Husker offensive line. Great NFL man and the Doc Talk podcast. Uh, Dr. Rob, him and Travis Justice do a great job. We'll talk to Dr. Rob here at 5 get his take on the O-line, some running game, and uh, some quarterback play. Evan Bland will join us, and we'll wind down with uh, the Josh Allen Jock Doc segment with Dr. Brandon Seifert. Numbers to get in. You can join us today at 466-3776-800-825-5865. can email the show chris at hailvarsity.com. Find and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And you have ways to watch us, get involved, be a part of the stream, ESPN Lincoln's Facebook and Twitter, and also the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. You can watch the show that way. So we are on in different parts. We're super blessed and thankful for that. We're on Carney Hastings Grand Island. We're on in Columbus, we're on in Omaha, we're on in Lincoln, and just uh, my news department handed me this. So for Lincoln listeners, 14th Street uh, near Aberdeen, it's kind of by Southwest High School, massive accident and traffic nightmare. So the road is not passable, three tow trucks, uh, six people injured, and uh, the road should be cleared by 445. That's about 30 minutes from now. Avoid the area if you're in Lincoln, 14th and Aberdeen, uh, between Old Cheney and Pine Lake near Southwest High School. I'll have to get an update from Junior. <clears throat> Junior turns 16 tomorrow, Elijah. It's been wearing me out all day. Dude, it, it's going to be like a couple months of stress. And then after that, it's going to be so much easier for you. You don't have to ferry him to practice. You don't have to worry about picking him up from you know sporting events that he's going to as a fan. You ain't got to worry about any of that stuff. You got to worry about him making a 
team. He's a Schmidt, so he can practice. He's been really good up to this point, but it kind of gets real after your sophomore season, <laughs> right? <laughs> Got to make a squad. Uh, listen, this is pretty good. Paul Feinbaum tweeted this out, and these games, Nebraska, Michigan, Nebraska's not fared well against Michigan. You, you almost won last year. You, you played them, and the, the greatest Michigan showdown ball game was the Randy Gregory game in 2013 where he had like three sacks, and Amir won, won it late, 17-13, the end of the Brady Hoke era. I think that's almost nine years ago, right? Because you, you played Michigan quite a bit. You, you pretty much shut them down in 2012 on your way to the Big Ten championship game, and then I think you got drilled by them in the second half. I think it was 14-7, to and then they came out and rocked you uh, in that uh, initial inaugural Big Ten season. So you, you you have a couple of wins against Michigan. Uh, Saturday will, will not help that uh, career record once you've moved to the Big Ten. It didn't go well in the Fiesta Bowl with Jim Harbaugh versus I think Steve Taylor ended up getting in on that one back in the 86 Fiesta Bowl. But Nebraska-Michigan's always been a big game, right? It's been a huge game. And Nebraska's not really been a part of those for a while. How did you cope? How do you cope when your team loses? This And, and Feinbaum asked this, and he was asking for pictures or suggestions. Because right now, Clemson's on fire. Alabama's on fire. The world is ending. Dear God, Alabama's 7-2. and two. They could be 7-3 and three if they lose to... Good old Lane Kiffin. They're on the road at Ole Miss Saturday. Georgia, great season, defending national champs. They got to go see the Pirate this weekend. Right, those games are circled. Upset alert. Uh, Does Bama stabilize? What's Tennessee do? Oh, yeah, Nebraska-Michigan. You'll get a boatload of eyeballs. That's your ABC primetime games. 2.30 kickoff, right? Well, Well, we'll see if Nebraska can be competitive. What's that look like to you? Evan Bland did a good rundown. We'll talk to Evan here in an hour of games where Nebraska's been underdogged. Uh, and the, the the most Nebraska's ever been underdogged has been by 30 and a half. Do you remember the game? Is it Ohio State? No. no. Do you remember the game? I totally do. The Adrian Peterson era. Oh, oh, Nebraska at Oklahoma. Remember the roughnecks and yep. bleeping hillbillies mm-hmm. and gunshots and brick walls and assault charges? Nebraska was underdog a crisp 30 points in 2004. I do remember it's that. It's the most one. it's ever been. I was. Little, I remember uh, me and my family were driving home from visiting family in Denver. It's like early memory of me being five years old, but I distinctly remember that one. Well, what was cool about it was the end of the game. Nebraska's being shut out. 30 to nothing. <laughs> and what happens? Callahan burns two timeouts. They run a fullback trap with Paul Castle, the pride of Pius. And then Nebraska, with seconds left, kicks a field goal. <laughs> Callahan had money on Nebraska, dude. <laughs> I don't know that. But you want to talk about a bad beat. You're shutting them out all season, all ball game long. And Callie burns three timeouts. 
and and there you go. But listen, Ohio Callahan said good teams win, great teams cover. cover. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in uh, 2020, Ohio State favored by 28 points. That didn't happen. They weren't covering. Nebraska almost won that one outright. Well, for the first half, I'm pretty sure Ohio State almost got the the back. Oh, I'm thinking cover last year. I'm thinking last yeah. year. My bad. In, in, oh, okay. In 2020, 2020 was the opener of the COVID year. Yeah, Nebraska covered yeah, the halftime spread, if I remember correctly. But I think Ohio State got the back door at the end. Let's pull up the score. Uh, Penn State, uh, 27 point favorite in 2017. Ohio State in 2017, 23 and a half. Joe Burrow had three touchdowns that day. Oklahoma in 2021, the infamous scooter ride with you and I. Nebraska almost won that outright. They were dog 22 and a half. Oklahoma 08, that was 62 to 24 or something like that. The old pick six by Gansey to start the game on the bubble screen. Uh, Texas Tech in 08. Nebraska fought back, and I think that was the Lakeith. No, 08 was not the Lakeith and Smith game. But 08, Nebraska... Uh, I don't know. Nebra- uh, 2008, Nebraska-Texas Tech... That game finished with a final score of 37-31, Texas Tech in overtime. Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was the Bo era. That was Bo's game. No, Nebraska, I remember that. That, that was the Graham Harrell, Michael Crabtree, Texas Tech team. That, yes. That, that upset Texas. Right. And that was, yeah, that was a that was a really good, really good effort. I mean, Nebraska looked good that game. So what, what I'm hearing with you laying and, all and this Texas out. And Texas 07. That was Callahan's last gasp mm-hmm. where they're beating the hell out of Texas. And they're up... 14 points going into the fourth quarter. Cedric Benson erupts for like a 300-yard second half, and Texas pulls that survives. I remember that 07 game. My buddy got and I were watching at a bar, and he got kicked out because he was losing his mind. I'll, I'll say, though, from everything you're telling me, based on the, the history, when Nebraska's a big underdog, they it's a 50-50 chance of covering. Who would have thought? Vegas, pretty damn good at that, you know, getting that mm-hmm. line so it's 50-50. But I don't hear a single outright win for Nebraska among those games. That's where I was if, going. If history is any if is any indication. History is a good guide. We'll get Mike Babcock's thoughts here in a little bit. Let's hear from Whipple, right? Nebraska, the quarterback situation. Where is the Big Red going to go? And uh, let's start things off. Whipple uh, was asked about the Minnesota game plan. And hindsight being 2020, would you have done anything different, Whip? Yeah, I mean, any anytime you lose, you say, I could have, should have called this, could have called this, maybe here. You know, the interception was, you know, we, we, it was a play we talked about, and that, that one hurt. But, uh, you know, we talked to the guys. You can't, we, we dropped the ball in crucial situations. You know, we left points on the board, and, you know, we had, if we catch the last one, hey, we got a minute and 10 on a 30 yard line, and with a chance to win the game. And, uh, I take that this week, you, you know. So, in in this, you know, with a backup, with your backup quarterback. So, that's a credit to the defense and the special team and the whole team. And you know, it's got to be a team effort. And you know, I don't I don't think we've played our best as a team looking at the whole thing. From, um, but we got to tr- play our best game on offense. He's right. There, there's been little compliment with offense, defense, special teams. It's happened with their two wins in Big Ten play, or uh, defense kept them around, and, and the offense did just enough against Rutgers. Uh, defense was a wall against Purdue, mm-hmm. bad matchup, and and then both defense 
in the second half and the offense in the second half came to life, did, did pretty good things. But now Whipple was asked about hindsight, what would you have changed? How about points versus ball control? That's what, that's what Mickey said yesterday. Yeah, because it is going to be about being happy and okay with three to four yard runs. And again, he's asked about it. Mark Whipple's asked about it. Are you going to dial back the offense? And you, you've got to look at this thing and, and think about survival, but also productivity. Whipple's take on things is probably, well, hey, three and out, still three and out. I got to get points, okay? I can go three and out, throw on the football, and go three and out, running the football. And I don't know where he looks for any faith from a consistency standpoint. I don't know what he does. So that's, that's to be fair to him. But he's still digging his heels in, man. I can't imagine, and again, this isn't to be TMZ. I can't imagine how the meetings are and what's, what's Thursday like in the coach's office if Mickey, your head coach, says one thing and your offensive coordinator here is asked again about ball control. Uh, you know, it still comes down to you got to score more points. I would have been satisfied if we won 21-20 or, you know, I don't I don't really care. If we win 3-2, it doesn't, you know, that way. So whatever gives us the best chance, but, you know, you got to look at the scoreboard and play it off the way it was that way. You know, we weren't as aggressive in the end of the half last week. You know, up 10 nothing. said, hey, we want to get out of here, minute 30. That's one of those things, if you have Casey there, Against Purdue, we went 30 seconds and went down the field. So that comes down to your personnel and where you're at. Where you're at by looking at the scoreboard. Now, if we're down 20 to 10, then you, you know you, you're probably going to go for some things that way. But that, that's always the way it plays out. Same with score on whether you're going to what's your third down call and do you have two plays and are you going to go for it on fourth down? Or are you going to take a shot or what? What are you going to do with those things? So that that all comes in. And each game's its own story. That's the beauty of football that we don't know what's going to happen and you see what what you what lays on the table and then you make decisions off of off of those things and your personnel so you're going to dial it back or not when it comes to passing or running or being happy with three to four yards and he's worried about points and and his job is to score i don't care how they happen that's that's what he said. It can be interpreted a different way. The way I'm hearing that is him saying, yeah, I know Mickey got up here yesterday and said he'd like to control the ball more and get three to four yards a rush, but look at my personnel. It's almost like a, yeah, Mickey, <laughs> I, I wish we could do that, but it I want comes to down to scoring too, points. But we got spam. <laughs> like, yeah, we can win the ball control and put up zero points if that's what you want, but I think he's saying, like, look at the personnel that I have right now to work with, Mickey. And let me know if, if I can actually get three to four yards of rush. It's not an ideal world. That's the way I'm reading this is, sure, ball control is great in the Big Ten, but i got to make do with what I, I got. You know what's got to happen? Like, and, and this is just asthma boy here with a microphone, so forgive me. But if you can line up in double tights and, and slam it down their throats till they stop you, and I'm not saying don't throw it. Don't, don't give me an ode to, uh, to, to 85 Oklahoma. Just running wishbone, running wishbone, not not attempting a pass. I get that you got to throw the ball. I get balance. I get play action. I get strengths, weaknesses, all that good stuff. But for the love of God, um, make them stop what's working for you before moving away from it. Well, and I also say that it just feels like Nebraska moves off what's working. And okay, you got your script. 
you can go back to that same script that worked, don't you think, Elijah? Make them adjust to stopping that, and then you can move on to something else. Well, look look at the past two games. The script has been what's worked, and, and Whipple says, well, it's not about ball control for us. It's about scoring points. Well, in the past two games, you've put up a whopping total of nine points against Illinois and 13 points against Minnesota. So clearly your so game you plan points here against for- good defenses. You split it in half, it's winnable. <laughs> it's going to be his answer. But it's, it's, it's very much like a... I understand that you want to put up points. I want you to put up points, but clearly what you're dialing up right now is not putting mm-hmm. up points, and, and you're not seemingly willing to make a change. Even if you don't think it's going to work, what does it hurt to try? Because what you're trying right now isn't working. Mm-hmm. We'll spend some time with Mike Babcock from HailVarsity.com and Magazine. And we'll, we'll get his underdog take. He's seen a lot of ball. And uh, this one's tough. I'm anxious to see this. We'll be up at the Hale Varsity Club on Friday, 4 to 6. Roadshow Friday. And then noon to 2, special Saturday show ahead in Nebraska, Michigan. Hale Varsity continues. We're presented by Currency. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hail Varsity. We're presented by Currency. We say hi to Mr. Husker Football, Mike Babcock at MD Babs. On Twitter is where you follow him. You read him with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. You can subscribe to HaleVarsity8553 Husker or HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe. Babbers, we've, we've done a lot of talk here about the underdog, the Michigan series. And now, what's uh, what do you do Saturday? We, we threw Whipple into the mix here. How are you? How's your week been? Uh, it's fine as soon as Elijah gets over here and rakes my leaves again. Oh, no. I need to rake my own leaves. I, I was looking at the weather day. I'm like 75 degrees looking at the future forecast, and I, I didn't get around to, to getting any yard work done. I know I'm going to regret that here in about, oh, I don't know, the next seven days. The for, From a symbolism standpoint, the, the leaves in your yard represent Michigan's defensive line. Yeah. Well, and to interject into your conversation about running the ball, which I always say that's what Nebraska needs to do. This is the nation's number one rush defense that Nebraska's going against. It just changes know. each week, doesn't it? Yeah. How does that factor into the discussion? I mean, what do you do when you're facing a team like Michigan that is, is given up an average of about just a little over 70-some yards uh, rushing a game? What, what do you do offensively? Well, I, I guess – you know, Minnesota's rush D was supposed to be number six in the country. And you went double tight, and you had some nice designs planned for for old General Grant, and he popped almost 40. I mean, he had 10 carries for 80 yards. He went over the century mark. A, air quote, inconsistent offensive line had a 100-yard rusher that averaged five a carry 
last Saturday. I guess my my question is is you you, you manage and you got to protect some question marks at quarterback as well. I don't have a great answer. Maybe you just go wildcat. Is Demone Pearson L got any eligibility? Throw him back at quarterback, Babbers. I I don't have an answer for Whip. He is he is down a man <laughs> and in a tough situation. Uh, that said, there's been some feeling by this amateur football guy that you go away from what's working a little too soon. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, it, it, so if you line up and you have a little bit of a success running against this Michigan defense, you keep doing that. I mean, that, I think that's what what Mickey was talking about. But but if if this defense, oh well, we know it's as good as where the ranking is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, that's probably pretty obvious. Um, so how do you start? I guess you start out trying to run the ball and see what happens there because you don't want to just let them start off just going after the passer kind of a thing. But in this context, then, if Casey Thompson doesn't play, and I thought that was unusual. Mickey said yesterday they would see how he practiced yesterday and that would determine whether he was going to be able to play on Saturday. And then today, Whipple said it depended on how he practiced tomorrow, whether they would uh, make a decision on that. So, got a tug of war going on. He's probably not going to play. But so l- let's say he doesn't play. Then logically, Purdy has to be the guy, right? Because you're looking at a situation where you're probably going to have to throw the ball. Is that. I, I want to see more Logan, if he's healthy, chucking the football and let me see what he can do with his, with his legs. I'm, I'm, team, I'm team Smothers here. I've seen enough of Pretty. I hope he gets better. But I need to see Logan. Logan, when he was allowed to throw it, made some nice plays. They made some nice catches. Okay, well, that's what I'd like to see too, but I'm asking hypothetically okay. if you look at it uh, against a defense that is really stacked against the run, do you go with the guy that that's what he does? Or do you put, do you use Logan Smothers because he's also he can move around a little bit and he can maybe avoid the pass rush or mm-hmm. you know I'm not sold uh, I'm not sold that that Pretty's a better thrower I know he's supposed to be I've not seen him be a better thrower in the game mm-hmm. yeah yeah so I I, have, I think. You've got to make a decision going into that game and kind of stick with it. I mean, I you know it's the old cliche when you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. I don't think I think you got to go into the game with a game plan set up for one or the other, and stay with that game plan. Um, if you're going to have any kind of success at all against Michigan, I think that's what you have to do. I don't I don't think that changing up quarterbacks is going to is going to get the job done because of the defense that you're facing. And the first guy out there, he sees what's going on. And then he, he takes some snaps or a couple series, and then you put somebody else in there. Now they've got to get accustomed to what's going on. Um, I don't think that's a good idea in this situation. I, I, I just think you've got to go with one guy and you've got to have a plan going in. And it's got to be based in part on that defense that you're trying to, that you're trying to, uh, Pierce in some way. Well, Mike, to, to your point about finding a game plan that that's going to work for the entire game, sticking with that game plan, I think that might be the one thing that Mark Whipple and Mickey Joseph do agree on here. But 
what that game plan is seems to be a big sticking point right now where Mickey Joseph says we need to commit to the run, get three, four yards a pop, you know, get some ball control, keep the ball out of Michigan's hands. We're Mark Whipple saying, well, we just need to do whatever we can do to put points on the on the board. So I, I want you to speak for a little bit just on that this disconnect we're seeing between Mickey Joseph and Mark Whipple. These these aren't guys that I think were were arranged to be put together when the season started, but right now that this marriage is not working. It seems like a curious kind of a thing. I mean, ultimately that's what Mickey wants too is points. I mean, that's not to say the answer is, well, I want points. However, I can get them. I'm sure Mickey is the same way. He thinks how they can get them is to, to, to run the ball, get three or four yards and have some ball control so that the other team doesn't have, doesn't have way more minutes of possession than, than you do when the game is over with. Um, that's part of it. And that, that's been a problem for Nebraska um, is that the time of possession has not been in Nebraska's favor. So, um, but from my point of view, Mickey's the head coach. So Mickey has the final say. That would be, that would be what I would say is regardless of whether there's some disparity in what Opal wants to do uh, based on what Mickey wants to do. Who has the final say? I think Mickey does. Well, the, the problem should. though, Mike, is is in theory he should, yes, but yes. In, in practice, Mark Whipple's the guy with the headset. He's the one calling plays, so the buck does kind of stop with him in terms of, of play calling. Well, yeah, um, it does. But if you're the head coach or the interim head coach, you can still go to him and say, "Look, uh, this is kind of what we need to plan here. Mm-hmm. Um, these are kind of the calls that we need to have." I don't know if that's what's happening, but I think that that's what should happen. Totally agree there. Mike Babcock's with us from HailVarsity.com and Magazine at MD Babs on Twitter. Mike, I uh, want to get your thoughts here as uh, we move forward. And th- there's a lot of times Nebraska's been underdogged with uh, the points, and, and we kind of laid those out. But you've seen those games, and we know the end result. Nebraska's covered some of them, performed better than expected in others. Uh, do you get a, a sense of any optimism, not from a point spread standpoint, but just the rest of the season? Where where are you at here when you when it comes to looking at this football team and, and how they can finish out? I'm not overly optimistic, obviously, about Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, but it depends on how you come out of what I think is going to happen on Saturday. Um, those last two games still, I think if you're if you don't give up, I think Nebraska has a chance to win either or or both of those games um, down the stretch, depending upon how you come out of the Michigan game, because I don't know that things are going to go well there. But if they keep fighting and they have that kind of drive that uh, we we get from the discussion with Nikki and, and uh, Mark Whipple, if they have that and they retain it, I think you've got a shot against Wisconsin here at home. And I think you got a shot against Iowa where you bring into play that idea that run the ball for three or four yards, you know, pick up a first down, keep moving the ball um, that way. I think that can be successful against both those teams. Mike, do, do you even think these these next three games have an impact on on the next head coach and who it's going to be at Nebraska? I mean, we're kind of at the point where I feel like it's, it's decision time for Trevin – on one hand, sure, like positive feelings can do a lot for Mickey Joseph at the end of the season, but I also feel like it, it might be too far gone to, for Mickey to be making changes in terms of changing Trev's mind because 
you got to be making your decision by now in, in terms of getting a contract drafted up, get the, the pen to paper, and let that next coach start doing work in terms of either flipping over the roster or trying to keep guys around. Well, and that was the problem, Elijah, when it started out. You know, basically, Mickey has one off week to get ready for the next game, and then he's got nine games to prove himself, and you dismiss the Oklahoma game. And so you've got eight games, and I, I don't think that's I don't think that's a sufficient reason to make a determination. But I'm not Trev Alberts, so you know if the one thing you could say is if they had a dramatic run at the end and they won those games, then became bowl eligible, then there'd be a bigger argument for people saying, well, he should should have that interim drought. I don't think that the you know, what happened in those eight games or those nine games should have been the determining factor. But again, I'm not Trev, and he has responsibility and pressures on him that I don't have. It's easy for me to say something like that um, because I don't have to make the decision. But, yeah, it's, it's more difficult. As you look at it from the outside, it's more difficult because of where things stand right now. Mike, what's coming up from you about on Hale Varsity? What's happening with the magazine? Uh, about 90 seconds here. When do you start the battle against the leaves? Uh, you know, I start the battle against the leaves after this weekend because the magazine goes to press on Monday morning early, and it's basketball edition, and we've got uh, a really uh, good story on Sam Greisel, and we've got a really good story on Alexis Markowski as kind of a focus the center of the of the magazine. So really looking forward to getting that put together and, and uh, out so people can take a look at that. Now, Markowski's fantastic. Uh, we'll spend a little bit more time on hoops moving forward. They got the win yesterday. Did you go to that one, Babbers? No, I watched uh, from far, as Bill Callahan mm-hmm. would say, uh, from my TV <laughs> set. Which, uh, I don't want to get in the way of people uh, that are – actually uh, on the beat and have to get things done. Not a problem at all. Babbers, uh, be safe, and thanks for jumping on with us. Always great to talk some ball. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate you. There he is, Mike Babcock from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. And we went uh, pretty deep there with just what Saturday is and the evaluation part of it, how you're looking at things and where you go. Name to uh, listen for, and again, Football Scoop had this, Gary Patterson, his uh, big ball game Saturday. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge coming up. It's a golf day, a little windy. But it is a golf day. Reminder to get uh, buckled up. Seatbelts save lives. And hands on the wheel, eyes and mind straight ahead. The driver has one job to do. That's drive. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Keeping with the driver theme, you want to get yours fixed, go see Mike Shuhart out at Wilderness Ridge. Shuey, how we doing? Good man, it's like golf day out there today. Oh, it is, and feels like summer. Uh, feels outstanding. And and how many uh, how many golfers you see sneak out? 
we got quite a few out there today. I think they're all kind of anticipating this might be the last day for a while, so <laughs> they had to sneak out and get their last round in. The, the, the last supper, I love it. I tried faking a cough. Elijah would not let me go anywhere there. <laughs> Mike, uh, with uh, with the golf course, are, are you out there with the rate getting the leaves? How, how is that going down? Because that's been something that's weighing heavily in not only Schmitty's mind, but my mind as well. I didn't get a chance to get out and get my leaves picked up today, and I know I'm going to regret having the, the last good day of the year and, and still have leaves in my yard. But how, how does that work for you? Is that is that full hands-on deck for, for Mike Schuhart? <laughs> that means you better be a very good, accurate driver of the golf ball because if you hit it out of the fairway, where the leaves are, you might be looking for a while. So puts an emphasis on your ability to drive it in the fairway. That's why I'm not a fall golfer. No, I, I love it. I love it. And it, it doesn't matter. Just drop it. Little OJ golf. Just drop the ball. Exactly. Whatever. Just drop it. Shuey, how, let me ask you this. And, and this was pretty good. And there's different responses out there. How do you cope when your team loses? And it's been brought up because Bama fans been – you know, uh, trying to find high buildings all week. There's seven and two, God forbid. Clemson may be out of the playoff right now. And uh, we'll see how TCU fan feels with the Gary Patterson Bowl this weekend. But you as a sports fan, you grew up, you grew up going to the Nebraska games. Who was your pro baseball team? Oh, I'm a Yankees fan all the way. Okay, so you you liked Reggie and the Yanks, and that's, that's oh, all yeah. So how did you cope when your team lost? Did, did you walk it off? Were you ticked off for a week? Or even take it to the pro level when you're on the pro tour, if you had a window, how did you manage? What were your coping you, skills like from a fan and also a professional standpoint? Yeah, the first week you are pissed, you know, <laughs> and, you, and you put your head down and you go grind because the next week you're not going to let it happen again. But then if it happens again, and that – Third week is you, there's a little doubt that starts to creep in there. Like, oh man, what's going on? What's wrong? What's wrong? You know, and it's like that's that's the tricky part because if you think something's wrong, you got to go fix it. Man, is there really something wrong, or do I just need to stay the course and keep doing what I'm doing, and it will basically right itself like it usually does. You know, but most of the time, especially when you're used to winning all the time, and then all of a sudden it's not, then you go and you're trying to find the answer to why, and sometimes there's just no why. There's no answer to why. I mean, it just, sometimes you just lose. Teams are better. Teams are playing better. Mm. Bad situation here or there, you know. It's really hard to stay the course and just keep what you're doing and start winning again because you will. So that's the tricky part. Well, Mike, I, I think some Alabama fans this week have, you know, in search of that why, have turned to the bottle because they've hopped on the message boards and said it's uh, it's time to fire Nick Saban. No, no question. They're like, uh-oh, now the time is coming. We're starting to go downturn, this and that. They're all crazy because they, they're used to uh, winning every time they can step foot on the field. And it's like the two losses they had could have been two wins very easily. Mm-hmm. You know, you just got to understand, man, teams are – figuring out what you do, how you do what you do, and there are a lot of the good teams are starting to catch up. And, you know, week in, week out, two evenly matched teams, you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. Shilly, let's talk about Saturday, and this is the 
largest point spread ever against Nebraska, eclipsing 2004 Nebraska, Oklahoma. That was 30 or 30 and a half. <laughs> right now, Saturday sits at 31. It has jumped again. Oh boy. Oh boy. You gonna hammer Never. the? Are you gonna hammer the over and the and and the the line? You gonna lay them points? You gonna take them points? Well, the the only reason I wouldn't is because it's like, man, it's like they're they're not like a high powered throwing score in twenty five seconds type of an offense, right? They're just gonna pound it. Corum's mm-hmm. gonna just not enough time. The ball. Not enough time. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't have enough time to score that many points. I would hope. You know, I, I still like them beating us by over the point spread. Mm-hmm. The only reason I wouldn't take that is because they just will run out of time. Well, that is unless Nebraska decides to do some three and outs that take 15 seconds off the clock. Or, or you turn it over. That too. Yeah, that's the, that's the nervous part about me. Mm-hmm. But then you don't know who. <laughs> you, you, excuse me. You're going to think that they're going to play smother. And he's going to run the ball a little bit. You know, and only pass when he kind of needs to, mm-hmm. uh, you would think. But who knows what's going to happen. Man, if they decide to go air raid, then it could get out of control. Is it uh, – you've seen this happen in your professional life where a guy used <clears throat> to be working for you is now your boss. That's kind of what's <laughs> going on with Whipple and, and Mickey. And it doesn't feel like they're on the same page. Yeah, that's a tough one because it's like – who is the boss? You know, it's like you got one guy that he is in the, he's the boss of what he's doing and he's going to act like that, you know, and he's going to do what he thinks is best because that's what he thinks it's best, you know? So it's like, sometimes you don't get that luxury because you have a boss that you have to answer to. So, but if you're not afraid to answer the boss, then you're just going to do your thing. Mike, last thought here. Have you moved on to basketball season yet? I've already moved past basketball season. (laughs) (laughs) Shuey's like, is it golf yet? (laughs) Exactly. I'm already looking towards the Masters. Uh, Shuey's already turned the page. Shuey, what can folks do uh, not only for a Thanksgiving feast out at Wilderness, but also, hey, membership, that's the ultimate holiday gift that keeps on giving. Always, man. It's uh, like I said, we're continuing to open up. Uh, a lot of our renovations are getting done. New projects are getting done. Uh, Thanksgiving uh, brunch we're having out here, which is always a fantastic meal. Always too much to eat. So you can go to our website and find out all the information, all the contact information you need um, to take care of Thanksgiving, get membership information. Uh, um, it's all right there. Go see Mike Shuhart for all your golf needs. Think about Wilderness and always love uh, catching up with Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, enjoy that summer-like weather and them uh, gorgeous colors before the wind blows all those uh, fall fall leaves uh, into my yard. All right? They're doing that. It's, It's blowing pretty good out there. So hopefully they'll blow them out of your yard into your neighbors so you don't have to rake them up. <laughs> That's pretty good. I'll be quite <laughs> frank with you. My wife can't plant a tree that'll survive. So uh, we're, we're okay. We don't have any We be don't good. have any, uh, any plants in the back or trees. Should we be good, buddy? We'll talk next week. All right. Thanks for having me. Stay safe. Thank you. There he is, Mike Shuhart. We'll take some of your calls, get to your emails. As uh, Rob Zadiska, Dr. Rob Husker, great with us next hour. It's Hale Varsity presented by Currency. 
Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Rob Zadiska and Evan Bland next hour. And uh, Hale Varsity is presented to you by your friends at Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Paul's with us here on Hale Varsity. Paul, go ahead, bud. Hey, guys. Um, two points regarding uh, Nicky and whether he's going to get hired or not. I don't think the final three games will change Trev to a yes, but it could change him to a no. And regardless, uh, it becomes also a question, a huge one, I think, who's interested? I mean, I can think of two names, Matt Rule, Bill O'Brien. Sure, those guys would be probably good, if not great, hires. Besides them, who else would you suggest? I'm just looking at the table, and I'm thinking I'd get one of two answers from any other coach you'd suggest. They're doing too good to want to come here, Mm -hmm. or they haven't done enough to prove that they deserve to be here. Well, here's the third part of that that table, Paul, and great take on that. Uh, They are are waiting to sit down. It means they're out of football, or they're in a role right now that they want to get out of. And... Bronco Mendenhall and uh, Gary Patterson are two names that have been floating around with us. That's the first one to bring up Gary Patterson. Come on. <laughs> well, Football Scoop brought him up last week. I'm talking about him for over a month, man. I don't know. What What do you think? You you big GP guy or, or not? I'm, I, he's 60. No. Me neither. Me neither. That is a head coach. I'd love to have him up here as defensive coordinator which is what I'd mentioned actually to you some time ago. But, yeah, I don't see him as head. Well, what he reminds me of is is almost Bo Pelini 2.0. Maybe not as fire on the sidelines, but defensive-minded guy, old-school football coach, take-no-crap kind of guy. I mean, do you, do you think Bo Pelini seems like an NIL guy? I know Gary Patterson isn't. It seems like almost a like-for-like kind of hire. Here's, and it seems like the natural reactionary hire that's on the opposite end of the spectrum is Frost. Yeah. And I kind of see what you're saying there, but, man, I would not put Gary Patterson anywhere near Bo Pelini on that spectrum. I would call him a very, very good person versus Bo Pelini, very volatile person. You know, you, you talk to those who know Bo knew Bo personally and, and they think he's he's a good dude is all you just you get the sideline view and mm-hmm. and there you go Paul I'll say this yeah. Patterson okay. left left a loaded cupboard my friend for for TCU yeah. this year absolutely hey thanks for the phone call appreciate it so yeah I mean I, I think you've had the yeah I'm good or uh, maybe I'm I'm busy right now or, you know, I really want to get back into coaching. There are your three categories. And that's what it is right now. There's just so many moving pieces to this in terms of Mickey's status with it. And Paul said he thinks that um, Mickey can lose himself this job, but he can't win. I'd go the other way around. I think Mickey can win himself the job in the final three games. But I don't think he can lose it if Trev thinks that he's the guy. Yeah. And by now, you, you've seen enough to um, formulate a very educated opinion. Mm-hmm. And then move forward. That's exactly right. What, what is what is what what's all working behind the scenes? Uh, reminder about your friends at Red Zone Tickets, selling fun since two thousand one. Do you have tickets to buy or sell? Red Zone Tickets can make it happen. They have tickets for you for Oscar football, Big Red volleyball, NFL action is uh, something to think about. Also Creighton basketball. 
concert or theater tickets, College World Series. Log on, redzonetickets.com. An A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. They are local. They're from Omaha. And a 100% guarantee on all your orders. Log on, redzonetickets.com. Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th Annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We are excited, man. He has been so good to us this football season. And for a lot of years, we welcome in Husker Hall of Famer, part of the pipeline, Dr. Rob Zadiska with us. And uh, Doc Talk Sports, his podcast with Travis Justice. It looks like we're streaming here on ESPN, Lincoln's Facebook and Twitter, and the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed as well. Dr. Rob, it looks like you're in timeout, man. Are you in the back seat of a vehicle? <laughs> I'm in my car. I'm like halfway. I'm running halfway between the gym and the grocery store, nice. which is probably not a good spot to be. And you go get a workout, and now I'm going to go into the grocery store starving, hungry. Are you yeah. going to just go? Are, are we going T bone, ribeye? I mean, what are you thinking? Uh, I'm thinking pork chops tonight. Nice. Bone in? Is there any other kind? <laughs> mm. He's like amateur. Moving on. Uh, yeah, no. it's like wait, there's there's non bone in. No. Wait, wait, quickly, quickly, I need to, I need to get your take. How do you prepare your pork chop? I've, I've done pork chops a, a couple different ways over the past couple you, weeks. You grill it, right? <laughs> so you you always got to get the big thick cut, Obviously. like inch minimum bone mm. in. And you know what? I got a there's a seasoning mix I use. It's it's a mesquite seasoning mix. Let that sit on there for about an hour. A little bit of olive oil, or sometimes you can go cheap and just do a little pan spray. Mm-hmm. Throw it on the grill, both sides. Sear the heck out of both sides on high heat on the grill. Turn the heat down for about another, oh, 10 minutes or so. I like my pork chops. I mean, I, I don't want them r- like rare, rare. Sure. But you want just a uh, tiny bit of pink in the middle yeah, there. Undercook them just a little bit. Right. The, the FDA won't tell you that, but undercook them just a little. You got to do it. You can't have them dry. Tri- trichinosis is a myth. Okay, <laughs> try some Old Bay on them sometime. Oh, that sounds good. I do like. I got. A, I got a lot of Old Bay in the house. I love Old Bay. It is good. Uh, so th- there we go. That'll get the rest of us hungry. Uh, let's talk coaching <laughs> carousel for a moment. Rob, who do you like? It's been a, it's been a while since we talked. I think we talked pre dismissal, and and now we're we're this part of the season, uh, and there's oh names boy. floating around. Who do you, who you, do know, you like? And, and again, I everything I'm everything I say when I think about coaches, it's all speculation. No, I mean, absolutely, yes. I, I mean, the one thing I'm, I'm continuously impressed about, continually impressed, either. 
uh, with Trev about is the fact that you really haven't heard anything out of Lincoln. You'll get like these little bursts of rumors that pop up and everybody goes crazy for a day or so. But really, you've heard nothing out of that athletic department. And that's kind of a credit to Trev. I, uh, you know, in terms of who I like, I mean, Leipold was a guy that was kind of on everybody's lists really early on. And then I think it kind of maybe faded a little there. He had a couple of losses. Um, Boy, they're still playing solid football. They're bowl eligible. When you really look at where Kansas has come from over the last decade to where they're at now, just within a two-year time frame, is really, really impressive what Lance has been able to do down there. So I still, I mean, he'd be a guy that I think you would look at and say, hey, here's a guy who's going to be able to at least kind of get that developmental change moving and get Nebraska moving in, in the right direction. I still like climbing at Kansas State. I think you got you get all those guys with those uh, North Dakota State bison roots. Those guys have done very well. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'm still a big fan of, of Jeff Munkin up at Army. That That's not an easy place to, to have a fairly solid football program. And he's a program builder. He's done a good job up there. It's a tough place to win. But they do a good job of continuing to develop players up there, and that's something that I'm that that I'm impressed with with him as well. I mean, I, I got kind of my pipe dream kind of guys that I always sit around and think like, Man, we'd never get this guy, but boy, it would be it'd be kind of cool if we did. Absolutely, and my, mine's Lane Kiffin. Lane, Lane, Lane would be fun, and in his his uh, his lab would be better. Um, the the thought from you though about a climate in a Leipold saying hypothetically they get that phone call from Trev. Trev, we love you. Nebraska is an awesome place and program. We're good. Happy where they're at. It's, it, it's it's tough thinking about that because I think that's going to happen with some coaches that Nebraska approach. I think it could have could happen with both of those guys, and I never thought I'd say that. It, yeah, um, it, it boy, I don't know. It kind of depends. I think the ceiling, you know, yeah. things can be bad at Nebraska in terms of the amount of pressure that a coach has to deal with. The expectations on the flip side, the ceiling, I think, is higher than it is at both of those schools. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately in terms of fan support, uh, facilities, infrastructure, administrative support, dollars, brand recognition, uh, market recognition, Nebraska is always going to have a higher ceiling than those places. I mean, especially if you think about Kansas. It, it it's like a Kentucky, it's like a North Carolina. Sure, it's a basketball school. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to have bursts of success there within football. Glenn Mason had that. Mangino had that. Leipold's seen some of that right now, where they just became bowl eligible. Are you going to have long term program stability as a possibility at a place like Kansas, where basketball is always going to ultimately be the focus? Yeah, I think that's the big selling point, Rob, is the ceiling of Nebraska, the fans support the money. But I want to flip this around and, and talk about the ceilings of, of these potential coaching candidates and what you think is more important. When you look back at the history of Nebraska, I think Bo Pelini was a guy who was high floor, low ceiling. Flip it around, the most recent guy, Scott Frost, probably more low floor, high ceiling. Well, what do you think is more important for, for Trev's next guy? Are you looking for the guy with, with the high floor where you think, 
you know what? He, he might not be going 11 and 1, 12 and 0, but he is going to be getting you to, to a bowl game every single year. Or, or do you think that high ceiling is more important with you know potentially a guy like Mickey who's got the recruiting and says well, we're setting our sights on on the schools like Michigan and Ohio State? I you know I'm still kind of stuck on the idea that I mean both are possible. I, I I think you want the potential for both there, and I know that's kind of a cop out answer. I, I mean if you have to pick one versus the other. You know, I mean, Nebraska was kind of a high floor kind of place for the better part of the 70s and 80s. Now, you had runs there where you look at um, kind of the really early 80s, 80, 81, 82, 83, uh, kind of that Turner Guild time frame where Nebraska had those 12 and one seasons and that ceiling got pretty high there. And all of a sudden you thought, wow, we can win national titles and probably should have snuck one or two in in that time frame um but i think if you've got a high floor to get the ceiling it only takes some tweaks here and there i mean osborne was a high floor guy for 20 years and then kind of i don't he raised the roof there the last blew the roof off sorry i got so many metaphors flowing here right now but but i mean that's one of those things where i think ultimately uh, they're going to have to – I think you you start with the high floor, but you, you always got to have your high on that high ceiling. And I, I still stand by my gut feeling that um, I, on one of the things I keep going back to is I'm convinced Mickey was brought in with the idea that he, he very well may stay on as a coordinator, passing game coordinator, associate head coach, something – with whoever the new coach is. I, I, I have a hard time believing he came to Nebraska with the titles that he had, A, without knowing that it possi- that he was possibly going to be the interim coach. I think, I think that was told to him up front. And I think he was probably also told, hey, we may not stick with you as the head coach after that interim time period, but we want to know if we can have you – can get you back here, sure. can keep you here as an associate head coach, as a coordinator. I think that's something that he would – I have a hard time thinking that conversation didn't happen. And so I, I would actually be a little bit surprised at this point unless a really good head coaching job comes up for Mickey. And I'm not talking about a Georgia Southern, a, a Sunbelt team. Talking I'm talking group of about five, Power Five. Yeah, like like a like a bigger group of five school or maybe a lower mid tier power five school opening pops up. Somebody doesn't take a chance on them. If that doesn't happen, if Mickey's best option is to be the head coach at Louisiana Monroe, I think he stays at Nebraska as that passing game coordinator and associate head coach and recruits the heck out of the place. Rob, two names. Got to ask you. It's been floating around with us the, the beginning of the week. Uh, Gary Patterson, Bronco Mendenhall. Um, you, you know, I, I look at Gary Patterson as a guy that I thought, both those guys, high floor guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always wondered about Mendenhall ceiling, though. Sure. And I thought, I mean, when he left BYU, went to Virginia. That was weird. It just, a little, yeah, I, I thought he was a better fit at BYU. Um, 
he just never really seemed to have that continuity success at Virginia. And you would think he'd have better recruiting prospects there. There's some very much, there's very much some recruiting limitations when you're at BYU. You don't have those limitations at Virginia other than you're going to the ACC. And all, now all of a sudden you're trying to compete against Clemson for football players. And that's not an easy gig, but I, I just, I was a little surprised. I didn't see more success from him at Virginia. I don't get as excited about him as I would a guy like Patterson. The only thing with Patterson, I mean, you got a guy, great defensive coach. He had, you know, whoever he brings in or whatever is, whatever direction he gives his offensive coaches, I always thought it was pretty good and it seemed to work fairly well for the most part when he was at TCU as a head guy. And I'd have no problem with Patterson because I do think he's got the potential to have that higher ceiling. The only concern I have with him, which I guess, I mean, it kind of maybe goes back with a guy like Kleiman, or not just, not Kleiman, but Leipold would be, would be an aged thing. Mm-hmm. How much longer does a 60-year-old or 60-plus-year-old guy want to do this? Now, I get the Nick Sabans, who's, what, 70 years old or 72 years old, whatever he is. Um, I, I get the fact that you got, uh, you had Joe Paterno and Bobby Bowden. You got these guys that coach till they're 75, 80 years old. That just because a guy's 60 doesn't mean he's not going to be there for 10 mm-hmm. years. But there's, I, I mean, a guy who's in his 40s or 50s probably has more of that longevity potential than the guy who's 60 or so years old. Rob Zadiska with his Husker great uh, Doc Talk Sports, his podcast with Travis Justice. And Rob, going to switch gears. I have about 90 seconds left, bud, and go get that bone-in pork chop, brother. Uh, (laughs) I need to know uh, what Nebraska's best plan of attack here Saturday is to hang on for dear life. Wow. Um Boy, that's a, that's a tough one because you look at a team like Michigan. They're they're kind of hitting on most all cylinders right now. They're they play a good run game. They can pass the ball. Obviously, the I think the run game with Corm is where they do a lot of damage to people. Even if he's not getting the crazy yards, you've got to focus on them, and that opens up the passing game at the very least. They're a well coached defensive team as well. And when you look at Ohio State right now, you almost have to kind of wonder, at least in terms of how these teams are playing, if Michigan isn't the, might not be the team to beat again coming out of the East. Um, I, I worry also about a coach like Jim Harbaugh, where I feel like he's made some kind of some philosophical changes in how he does things. Um, the, the shtick seems like it's kind of gone away. It's there. I feel like there's been kind of a very hardcore focus on just coaching, just recruiting, just developing his players and allowing his assistants. And he's got some very good assistants there to coach. It's a hard team to have to game plan against. And basically, you're going to have to go out, do play to Nebraska's strengths. You know, I really hope Casey Thompson's able to go because I think we're going to need his ability to move the ball. And Don't throw the ball. think so, my friend, unless you can uh, get him a little Mr. <laughs> Miyagi. <laughs> I'll do what I can. Do what I can. Um, 
Yeah, I'm not super. I'm I'm not super uh, optimistic about that. But You're gonna I mean, need a lot of fairy that's neck the thing. Brother. I mean, I don't know if Nebraska's got a great prospect if Casey's not playing. Otherwise, it's one of these things. I hope the I hope the offensive line can give a guy like uh, can give a guy like Smothers time to throw the ball and get it downfield. Uh, on defensively, man, they've they've just got to go out and play really good sound assignment defense, and that's going to be tough to do against that offense because they do have multiple weapons. They do a good job in the tight end with the tight ends in the passing game. Mm-hmm. They do a good job with their split and wide out guys in terms of running kind of some rub and pick patterns that are really effective, especially when you get down close to the goal line. Um, They're a hard team to defend against because they have a lot of weapons that they can choose from. They're not a one-sided offense. They can pass. They can pass to the tight end. They can pass to the running back. Corm's a pretty darn good wide receiver, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. So you've got to play good assignment defense, and you can't make mistakes on special teams. You can't have turnovers on offense. I mean, it's I hate to say it. they got to play a perfect game to have a chance here. Dr. Rob Zadiska. Dr. Rob, this was awesome. Thanks for joining the stream today. Absolutely. You guys have a good rest of the evening. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hail Varsity continues. Midweek edition, we say hi to Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald, does a great job covering Nebraska football. And Evan, it was, uh, it was Whipple Wednesday. How are we doing? Doing well, Chris. It's uh, it's the point of the season where I think it's kind of become appointment listening with the quarterback situation, uh, with how the the, the season's gone. Um, he's always got something interesting to say, and I thought that was the case again today. Well, Casey's not ruled out. I think if we're all betting mama's money or our money, we don't anticipate Casey. Uh, on Saturday, why punish the kid, right? <laughs> uh, flipping it around, though, you still have two backups that, that seem to be getting uh, more work. And I don't know, he seemed uh, seemed okay with where they were at. Uh, what did you take away? Yeah, I mean, the Casey thing, first of all, I, I, I think it's an interesting place where Nebraska, Nebraska is with him because on the one hand, you know, they could just say, hey, he's done for the season. They haven't done that. And I think uh, the more that we've gotten to know Casey, the more that it sort of makes sense that he wants to continue to play and just be that guy. And so I wonder, you know, if it would make the most sense for Nebraska to look at at targeting to bring him back for Wisconsin and Iowa, these last two games, where you have another week to heal. You don't go through the the gauntlet of, of a legitimate top five defense in Michigan. And it sets you up to where if you win either of those last two games, there's still a lot of meaning in that, considering how long it's been since Nebraska's beaten either one of those teams in, in Wisconsin and Iowa. So, uh, you know, like you said, I don't 
foresee him being suited on the field necessarily this weekend. I think some of that's maybe some gamesmanship, but it does set up that conversation again now that we had last week, where on the one hand you have Chubba Purdy, who was the, the hand-picked off-season transfer of, of Mark Whipple, and, and on the other you have in Logan Smothers, a guy who's been in the program longer than most of the quarterbacks in the room, who uh, you know has some of that, that, that ability to run the ball, as the coaches have said. I personally felt like watching the game last Saturday, Chris, that Smothers made some of the best throws in the game. That that little fourth down pass he had to Marcus Washington that was caught, and then the I think it was a third and long over the middle too. I mean, you go back and look, a lot of those throws that he made uh, were, were sort of in anticipation of what was going to come. Like receivers were, were just coming out of their breaks. They're just turning their heads. So I think you see some of the, you know, maybe the intangible stuff from, from Smothers that you know, maybe he isn't always evident in pretty spirals or things like that, but he's uh, it's sort of been the, the word of the week. He's been a gamer, you know, and maybe it doesn't always show up in practice, but it does in the game. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, Whipple did say today that he felt like both Purdy and Smothers have had their best practices uh, of the year this week, and that makes sense, right, if they're taking the reps and they're getting some game experience and that sort of thing. But it, it'll be interesting because I think it would behoove Nebraska – on Saturday to shorten the game, and Mickey Joseph alluded to that. And when, if if you believe that the quarterback skill sets are such that Smothers gives you a better chance on the ground, then I think maybe that would be the way to go. Well, Evan, Mickey said yesterday you went in the Big Ten with with ball control, those three and four yard rushes, shortening the game. But then when asked today, Mark Whipple said, "Well, you win by scoring points," which seems to indicate that that he's not going to care about ball control and, and running the football moving forward. And that's seemingly been his game plan over the past two weeks has that been your read to that comment as well today that well it's about scoring points not ball control yeah i think so you know he uh he's been a bottom line guy you remember a few weeks ago when he was asked about physicality uh and winning in the trenches he's like well you know there's not uh that's not on the scoreboard right there's no there's no number to to quantify physicality it's all about points so He's a bottom line guy in that way, which, you know, I, I think makes sense to a point. But he's also somebody who's been doing what he's done for, you know, decades. And, and he's he has the way that he wants to do it. And I think if Nebraska were at full strength uh, with Casey Thompson out there, if they had a, an offensive line that was, you know, upper end, then you can see how that can work. And we saw how it worked last year with, with Mark Whipple at Pitt and, and Kenny Pickett and, and what they were able to do. Um, but I, I think it's oftentimes the challenge can be when you don't have the talent that you are looking for, when you maybe have injuries, um, whatever it might be, how willing are you to maybe not compromise, but adjust your vision for the bottom line goal of winning the game. And, you know, if shortening, shortening the game, running the ball a bunch, you're not going to score 30 points, but maybe you take away two or three Michigan possessions and it, and it sets up some sort of a fluky special teams thing, or maybe they get a turnover. And so like, that's the blueprint. If you're a 30 plus point underdog at Michigan, the way that you don't win, the way that you get blown out and you don't even cover is by dropping back and passing every time and letting those guys on the other side get after you. So I think that's maybe the bigger thing is, is, is there a willingness to adjust what you want to do in the name of trying to win games and be competitive in the short term? Evan Bland's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Evan, to put it simply, it just feels like there's a, a disconnect between Mickey Joseph and Mark Whipple with what they want the offense to look like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt, and and we heard it again today. Mark Whipple, he's 
kind of sort of tongue in cheek was like, you know, let's maybe have Mickey spend a little more time with the defense, right? Like that was that's a comment that he made today, and so that's that doesn't necessarily scream of two coaches that are seeing eye to eye, and and you know, again, it's a tough situation, right? Because we're, we're talking about injuries. We're talking about a top five team in Michigan on the other side, college football playoff contender and all this. And you've got the dynamic of the fact that both of these men, Mickey Joseph, Mark Whipple, have been with the program for less than a year. When they came, Mark Whipple was uh, you know, the boss of, of Mickey Joseph. And those roles have switched, um, at least in title, but it doesn't seem like they've always necessarily switched in practice and in the moment when decisions are having to be made. And so it, it's tough because we talk about fairly evaluating Mickey Joseph for the permanent job, and there are so many areas in which you have to sort of have context, right? Like what, what did he inherit? Uh, what situation was Nebraska in when he got here. I think one of the things, though, that, that you can look at a little bit is how much um, does the head coach put his foot down when he wants something to be done a certain way, and there's pushback on that. So I think that's something else that, especially over these last three games, that, that bears monitoring as this conversation continues about, is Mickey Joseph the permanent guy? Is it somebody else? You've had two games now, and you've had two halves, seven where – there's just been the wrong guy playing quarterback or the, the execution wasn't what it needed to be. If you're Mickey, you, you just it, it's got to stink for you to keep getting tested this way. Uh, it's not optimal or ideal anyway to, to be uh, forced forward as the interim. And now if, if you – I don't want to make too much of it or make this a soap opera, but if, if your OC, it sounds like, wants to win a certain way versus just win – that's got to be a headache, man. It's got to be a headache. And Whipple, man, when things are good, it looks great. It absolutely mm-hmm. looks great. He's done a wonderful job. But right now, when you have to adjust, it's 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 been difficult. And you just got to get out of Saturday alive, man. You still got two more games. Right. And, and you know, honestly, it it doesn't make either guy look great, right? On the, on the one hand, you've got someone who who um, seems like he's he's going to stick to what he wants to do, regardless of of how it plays out in the game setting. And on the other hand, you have someone who, you know, it, it, at least it appears at times that he doesn't have you know full control or full authority over his staff. And, and yeah, it's 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 a tough spot to be in and I think an off season when you know if you're Mickey Joseph and you had a chance to sort of form a staff that you wanted and 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 you know were able to to do that then that would be a different sort of thing um but again like what's amazing is there's still three games to go right it kind of feels like uh, this could be the end of the line but we still have two major games against Wisconsin and Iowa coming up too and do uh, do those conversations that the coaches have had internally bear fruit this week, um, or do they not? Because you know, again, Mark Whipple's been doing what he's been doing at a high level for forty years, and and so do you. You know, how responsive would somebody in that situation be over these last three games? And I think the other thing, you know, especially as it pertains to quarterback, is we're probably going to, you know, have more light shed on 
what everything that's going on when the season comes over. You know, I, I think about the Adrian Martinez situation last year and about how, um, you know, he was banged up and in, in, in ways that were deeper and more um, affecting of his play than we realized at the time. And so I wonder too, if there are more things that the coaches, you just can't talk about at this point because games are still going on and you're trying to be competitive. Maybe something else will happen uh, in a few weeks that will sort of help inform why some of these decisions were made. But certainly at this point, uh, it, it has been frustrating at times because, um, you know, they, they haven't relied on the run, for example. And, and they looked so good on those scripted plays early on when they got creative with Anthony Grant and had an unbalanced line and these little counter runs and all this. Uh, and then it just seems like they kind of forget about it. So I think that's maybe the most frustrating part for Nebraska fans is you see something that works. You know, it, it's not – elite but it works it's serviceable uh it felt like maybe doing that more would have been a path to victory against minnesota uh and they go the other way so you know again we'll see how much they sort of learn and and adjust to what the big 10 is all about here over these last three games about two minutes evan bland with us hail varsity radio two names that could be uh swirling around here want to get your reaction Gary Patterson, we, we saw that name with football scoop. And a guy that's been out of football that's available, uh, Bronco Mendenhall. Two reactions. Uh, on e- give, me a, give me a reaction on each name. Well, Mendenhall, if I recall, re- I mean, he, he stepped down because he was burned out, right? Yes. So, yep. so that, you know, to me, that sort of falls in the same vein as Chris Peterson, where you have to really – if you're Trev Alberts in Nebraska, dig down and say, you know, are you ready to do this? This is not this is not a job for the faint of heart or for the half committed. You, I think you'd have to really have some assurances uh, that that he was ready to go and, and fully committed, especially in this era when NIL and transfer portal make this thing, you know, a 24 hour a day sort of job at times. Um, so I think that's what I would say first with him. He's done a good job at the stops that he's been at. Uh, so, so yeah, I think if you felt confident that something has changed since that time when he stepped down, then maybe you, you look a little further there. Um, you know, Patterson, he's in his early 60s, right? Like, he, he has he's had a whole career, essentially, at TCU. He's got a statue down there in the Fort Worth area. Um, you know, his team's there toward the end. Uh, they didn't necessarily get the wins, but now you, you see what they're doing now. A lot of these players on this unbeaten squad were Gary Patterson commits too. So he, he set them up for success moving forward. Again, I just wonder if he's at a spot in his career and his life where he's ready to come in and rebuild something else uh, in, a, in a part of the country that I believe he's from Kansas originally, but yep. Yep. in a part of the country that he hasn't been recruiting or, or been around in a lot lately. So, um, you know, when those, when names like that come up too, I think it's worth noting that one of the reasons that they come up now is because they are not in football at the moment. Like you said, they, they're not coaching a team. They're not in the middle of a season. So you don't, if you're Nebraska, you don't necessarily want to limit your options just based on who's not in the game at the time. So I think that's something else you have to bear in mind too. Devin, we'll uh, talk to you soon. Thanks for the insight t- today with Hale Varsity. Thanks guys. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, how are you? I'm great, Chris. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. This was supposed to be the matchup of the year between the Bills and the Vikings, and 
Well, Minnesota's all sorts of happy. There's going to be no Josh Allen. He's day-to-day, but it sounds like he's going to get some rest. Well, and I'm crossing my fingers for, for my fantasy quarterback you can, here. You can keep crossing your fingers. But uh, the ulnar collateral ligament, nasty hit as he was back to throw against the Jets. I think I saw... Remember the Giants smoking Joe Montana? That was the worst-case scenario where they busted his little chicken wing up. Josh Allen, though, is (laughs) going to be walking it off but uh, not throwing. Tell me about the ulnar collateral ligament, that's that elbow sprain that that Josh is dealing with. Yeah, you know, so if you've seen seen the video out there, obviously get a good feel for just the kind of force that went through his elbow – that uh, directed force where basically the elbow is kind of traveling to the inside, your palm or your wrist is traveling to the outside. It's called a valgus-directed force. You can imagine the force that's being applied to the inside aspect of your elbow, which leads us into kind of anatomy of this area. So if you feel around on your elbow, kind of the inside middle part of your elbow, you'll feel there's kind of a bump over there, kind of your funny bone, if you will. Um, in that zone, there's a ligament that kind of runs across the elbow joint in that region. It's called the uh, ulnar collateral ligament. We've talked about this a lot with our baseball players. The Tommy John ligament, if you will, is kind of a common name that's out there. But essentially what that does, it resists force where, again, that elbow goes out to the side or the elbow stays midline and the hand goes out to the side. And you stress it in that direction. Again, a valgus-directed force is our term for that. Um, you can see, obviously, in his video how that happened. And so it's not your only stabilizer on that side, but it's kind of the main stabilizer to that inside part of the elbow. Um, you think about a variety of jobs or activities you know, people do with this uh, with this ligament, so you take, for instance, like a quarterback, a throwing athlete, and you think about the force that goes across that, and essentially the stability that you need to control for that motion. Obviously, it becomes very important. Um, but it is interesting how you know we treat this ligament differently with you know different sports, you know different athletes. Um, which the you know which athletes need this fixed, which don't, and then obviously once you're kind of getting into that kind of sprain region, we kind of grade these you know different types of grades, you know, mild, moderate, severe, grade one, two, three, kind of on that pathway. Um, so if you look at a, a, a person like him had this injury, you know, you're, you're thinking as you watch that video that this is going to be you know, pretty high grade. Uh, but it sounds like, fortunately, with some of the reports coming out, that it wasn't as high grade as at least the video looked. And it sounds like they're leaning more towards a rehab slash kind of non-operative route for him. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us here. It's a Jock Doc Wednesday on Hale Varsity Radio. And Dr. Brandon, you mentioned the fact that the UCL helps stabilize the elbow. Can we dive into that just a little bit? Why is it important that your body has a UCL for these guys like pitchers and NFL quarterbacks who are throwing the football? Sure. And so, you know, from a stabilizing perspective, what you're trying to do is, you know, transfer that kind of kinetic energy, the potential energy, you're trying to transfer those energy forces. And so you need an area as you're loading other parts of that arm to basically go into that cocking phase and then that acceleration phase coming forward. You need something stable there to be able to load those other joints and bring that force through and have something where you can kind of transfer that force across in order for you to generate, obviously, the speed and the power that you need, whether it you know, be a football, baseball, what have you, javelin. Um, and so that's where that kind of stabilization part becomes really critical. Um, you know, so why is that obviously important? You know, If you start to lose that, then you start to develop laxity there, so then you start to basically lose some of that ability to kind of generate that acceleration through that area. Um, you know, For example, like in our baseball players that have 
fairly high-grade UCL injuries, kind of the first thing they'll notice in addition to pain would be a drop in velocity uh, on their fastball. And so football, kind of same deal, drop velocity, drop in your power. Now your passes aren't as crisp. Um, then you start to deal with two with even some control issues, whether it's baseball or football. Losing some of that stability kind of takes away some of that kind of fine-tuned control that you have where you're placing the ball. So from a Josh Allen perspective, this isn't really a play-through-the-pain type injury? It will be kind of a mixture of the two. Uh, there's definitely going to be a component where he's going to have to push through some discomfort. Uh, this will be pretty darn sore for him. Uh, but if that ligament is intact enough, you know, there's enough of those uh, fibers still inter- interdigitating together that he can generate still good stability to that, even though it's going to cause discomfort as you try to stretch them. There's still enough stability there he can basically post through that ligament and generate the power that he'll need. So he'll only break two fingers instead of four, a la John Elway style if he puts too much heat on the old fastball. Uh, Josh Allen's our topic here, a Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. It's Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. So looking at that injury, watching the footage, is he lucky to just be day-to-day? I mean, it looked pretty vicious. No, I agree, Chris. As you look at that video, guys, it's pretty impressive. Um, that looked like one of those that was going to be fairly high grade and you know, potentially heading down that surgery path. You know, the one thing too is you know he's not totally out of the woods with this. We always talk about with our like Tommy John uh, players in baseball. You know, what what creates the majority of time a Tommy John injury? What's that kind of chronic, high volume, repetitive motion to that area? Well, what's obviously Josh going to do once he rehabs this? He's going to go back to that kind of volume. Um, and so you wonder if down the road does this create some insufficiency down the road that potentially might require surgery in the future. I, I think that's a, a possibility for him, not guaranteed, but probably a possibility. Well, is there any injury or any risk of making this injury worse, Dr. Brandon, if Josh Allen were to, were to try to rush this thing back, if he goes and tells the team doctors, no, I'm good to go, that the pain's not bad, I, I want to play on Sunday. Is there any risk for, for making this worse? Yeah, you know, there sure is, um, especially if he really gets after a ball um, and then chucks one down the field or, you know, kind of throws a laser over the middle. There's a chance you could obviously convert this to a higher-grade sprain um, and, and potentially, you know, make it full thickness where it goes all the way through. Or obviously this scenario where if you take a contact scenario where somebody, you know, forces you into a kind of a terrible valgus position, then sure, you could definitely convert this into something more significant. Is this something he can just have, say it's a, it's a milder grade, is there still a surgical intervention that can clean this up, stabilize? Yeah, you know, that's, it's an interesting thought. There are some um, physicians out there looking at some studies about if you have, as opposed to, you know, full thickness, really high-grade tear, what if you take these, like it's mainly in just our, you know, our throwing baseball mm-hmm. players, um, if you take these folks with partial injuries that are just struggling to get back, whether it's a pain issue or they really feel like maybe that velocity is a bit different, but you look at them on the MRI scan, it looks pretty good. Um, some partial wear, but no high-grade tearing, nothing really kind of flowing in the joint from an MRI perspective. Um, they're doing a, what we call kind of an internal brace technique where you're going to do kind of a partial repair and then also apply or add this kind of thick uh, suture to uh, reinforce the ligament itself. Um, I think the jury's probably still out on that. There's probably a few scenarios there where that might be reasonable as opposed to going through the full-on ligamentous reconstruction. Um, In this scenario, probably not the case, but it's a a good point. It's a good question. It's hard to answer that just because the jury's kind of out on the data uh, with regard to that.
Dr. Brandon, for, for Josh Allen's fantasy outlook moving forward, can I expect him to be back full strength before the end of the season? That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> oh, that's a tough one, buddy. That's a tough one. I, I got two oh. on the bench, so I'm feeling okay if, if he is You're out. a quarterback hoarder. Don't answer his question. <laughs> I've been trying to, to dangle two in the trade talks. <laughs> you know, I, I still think he can be effective, fellas. I really do. I think you take a guy like that, maybe you start doing a little bit more of some short passing for him. Um, he's probably still going to be pretty accurate. Uh, the big thing would just be, you know, probably taking away a little bit of that deep ball threat for him, at least for the next two, three, four weeks, maybe. Send that send that short passing day in Arbor while you're at it. Um, <laughs> Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon, thanks for the time today. You bet, fellas. Y'all take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, midweek edition, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Good show today. Had fun. Thanks so much to Rob Zadiska, Dr. Rob, chiming in with some of the coaching carousel and Nebraska-Michigan thoughts. Good stuff from Evan Bland, Mike Babcock, Mike Shuhart as uh, we dove in and we heard from uh, from Coach Whipple to uh, get things kicked off. You hope things can get ironed out. Two weeks in a row where... You're up against it because of injury, and you were unable to overcome offensively. Now you go up against the problem that is Michigan. Tomorrow on the show, we'll spend time with Jeremiah Searles, get his take. Brandon Vogel joins us. Danny Burke, VEASAN Sports Network with Burke's Best Bets, and Coach Gary Barnett. We'll We'll see what Coach Barney has to say about some of the names that are swirling this week and that dynamic because you got interim head coach again that is trying to be happy with three to four yards on the ground and you got an offense coordinator that is still <sighs> resistant to the light. Mm. <laughs> still fully utilizing the the effort Palmer down there somewhere offense. <laughs> <laughs> and he is. <laughs> but you don't have anyone to throw it to him. <laughs> He's down there somewhere. <laughs> no, and I like that offense. It's worked. But you don't got, you do not have. Maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you tell Logan, son, I hope your arm's okay. First off, hope you're healthy enough to be close to 100 percent so we could sure use your legs and your arm and then with uh, with chuba i don't know maybe uh maybe it's house money and he can just play free although he'll be running for his life but when running for your life run forward or sideways and throw it away and we've spent a lot of time this week talking about the offense but really whenever i look at it and this is just something to throw in at the end of the show I was about to say, if Nebraska wants a chance at winning, I'll say if Nebraska wants a chance at covering, it's going to be more, I think, on the defense than on the offense to to step up in this one because with how thin that front seven is, Henrich down the defensive line, we've seen how thin they are. 
Michigan's going to wear on you. What what kind of response do you have? What kind of game plan do you have to to try to take away you as much as you can from Michigan? You keep doing what you've been doing. You just back. hope you get some help from your offense or special teams. Well, yeah, I think this Michigan team is beatable if you can take away their rushing attack. I don't I don't like Nebraska's chances at taking away. I mean, even if you contain Michigan's rushing yeah, attack, you, they're probably going to beat you. But if you, you can take it away, it really takes away a lot of what they can do on offense. But McCarthy, he's good. I think he's better than McNamara, but he's still not McNamara went in for surgery today. I say, but but but. McCartney, I mean uh, McCarthy's he's not a world beater at quarterback. No, he's good enough, but yeah, I mean they're their bread and butters, their their ground game and smoking you defensively. Mm-hmm. So yeah, tall task. Uh, we'll load it up tomorrow. Friday, road show, Hale Varsity Club, La Vista, what to see you there four to six. Special show Saturday, noon to two, also at the Hale Varsity Club, watch party ahead of kickoff against Michigan at 2.30. Good stuff from Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. Podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Hale Varsity Radio. Subscribe. Also, the YouTube channel, Hale Varsity. A Huda Media Production.